the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. I am your co-host, J.P. John Paz, and with me, as always, is the star of the show, former WWE World Tag Team Champion, former eight-time Smoky Mountain World Tag Team Champion, one of the greatest professional wrestling trainers in history. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm doing tremendous today. Thank you for that introduction. Don't know if I could do it any better. You know, there's so much that's going on, like, in the wrestling world outside of just our show and, and doing the episodes. I mean, there's always stuff going on. There's always crazy things going on. But I feel like lately there's been a lot of pro wrestling death and a lot of guys are passing away. And some of the legends of, of yesterday are, are going like, kind of at a high pace because Kendo Nagasaki passed away. Pampiro Furpo died. And then, obviously, most recently, Rocky Johnson had passed away. And I know you posted a great picture of Rocky Johnson that you actually took. Yeah, actually, and, and uh, I don't remember ever having a copy of that picture. Um, I think that was, uh, again, 77, 78, whatever it was. And uh, I, I remember making a copy of it for Rocky the next week. And I don't recall. Uh, where the negatives are, or even making a copy of it. But yeah, that was in Houston, Texas. And the one thing I did forget that uh, was one of the big draws to make it an even bigger championship feel to it. Uh, you had the special WWF referee Dick Kroll come down to officiate it. And later on, I'd heard uh, Dick was a big Astros fan. And he wanted to come in and uh, see some Astros games. And while he was there, he tried to get a payoff. So. That kind of worked uh, to everybody's benefit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah, that was that was kind of a cool deal uh, when I saw it in Rock's book. Not Rocky's book, but uh, the Rock's first book that he put out. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been one of, those, one of those years already. But, uh, you know, one of the other things, real quick, not to veer off on a side street and, and not get back on the main street we're on, but it just seems lately – that there's been a nasty tone all over, uh, whether it's the Internet, uh, for for whatever reason. It just seems that um, there's this nastiness going around, uh, not necessarily WWE, but everywhere, and in the business I'm talking about. So uh, 
with people dying and people snapping at each other, uh, it, it can it can either keep you on your toes and make you not not want to leave the the house. So, kind of crazy times for for all of us, I guess. Yep, and I don't mean to disrespect anybody I didn't mention, but obviously La Park had passed away, and even Charlie Cook, the old um, yes Georgia and Florida legend, he passed away as well. So it's, it was more than people who say it comes in threes. No? I mean, it came in fives this time around. Well, uh, and none of us know when it's coming. You know, I think it's uh, we're all going to have to do it one day, and when it comes, it comes. So, yes, it's it's not always nice when it happens. So this week on the show, we'd like to take a another direction as far as guys that you've trained. We talked about The Rock. We talked about Vincent Kennedy McMahon. This week, I'd love to talk about his son, Shane McMahon. We talked about him briefly here and there in a couple of episodes. You kind of said he was fearless. He was very uh, you know, humble, but he was eager to learn stuff like that. But what was your first impressions when you met a very, very young Shane McMahon? A uh, very personable, charismatic, and uh, certainly confident, but 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 a personable guy and uh, very likable. Uh, I met him, and then shortly after, uh, Pete Gass and Rodney, and um, uh, I think there was one other, or maybe it was just Shane, uh, the Mean Street Posse, and they had all grown up together around uh, Greenwich. I guess, and uh, became good friends. And they were all, all three really good guys. Uh, so uh, Shane had an outgoing personality, but um, he also uh, was very respectful. And it was obvious that he loved the business too. He's athletic, and he could uh, he could move very well. So uh, my impression is I was very, uh, very pleased that he had that disposition and attitude. What, as far as him, um, not what, but did you train him first or Vince first? He was first, technically, Shane. right? Yes, Shano. And uh, he he actually, when he got in the ring, uh, he had obviously been trained before. Some of the guys, when he was refereeing and he was on the road years before, I think, when he was, gosh, he was a teenager, and uh, some other guys got him in the ring. I don't know if it was Piper. I can't remember who it was right now. But during that time, Shane was on the ring crew, and I believe he refereed some. And the guys would get in the ring with him beforehand and work with him. But when uh, he came over to the studio and trained with me, uh, he was gung-ho. He was he, – he was <laughs> – he wanted to walk on the top rope since day one. He was a daredevil. So um, we would do we would do drills, yes, but it was a lot of wrestling drills. And uh, he knew right away where he stood as far as uh, the entertainment value. He he knew what to do. He knew how to. He knew he wanted to do the shuffle. He knew he wanted to be uh, different, and he was. And he was entertaining too. I believe he said it was Macho Man that helped him train a little bit, I think. You're possibly right. Yes, you're right. I believe so. And uh, Randy, coming from a wrestling family, too. Randy Randy had the fundamentals and uh, basics down. He, he definitely was old school, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I think it was Macho Man. So, um, 
he, he got trained by one of the greatest, even if it was just uh, before the matches. Yeah, that's kind of surreal, right? Like, oh, yeah, the Macho Man, why don't you come in here and uh, help train me a little bit while you're on the road, at, you know, maybe as champion or, you know, going after the main event. It's pretty well, crazy, yeah, but. yeah, and I, I think that the way that probably happened, again, I, I believe Shane was a pretty popular guy with uh, uh, all the boys because he, he did have respect, and he and he was enthusiastic, and, and he did have that uh, uh, fire in his eye. So, I, it wouldn't be hard for someone like like Macho Man to uh, want to do it and want to go out and help somebody like Shane because he, he legitimately liked uh, Shane. He liked Vince. He loved Vince. He loved Shane, I'm sure. So, uh, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me, wouldn't surprise me, uh, because when you see someone like that who has that passion um, and they ask for help, most of the the veterans who have that passion back would be more than happy to help. And I believe that was the case. Him being the son of the owner and him being the son of Vince, was that a problem with anybody that he wanted to get in and wrestle and possibly take a spot away from one of the boys? I don't know of any situations like that. I don't believe any situations like that ever came up, came about or came up uh, because Shane was wanted to be. I, I don't know if he wanted to be, but he came across as one of the boys. He never came across as uh, I'm daddy's little boy and I can do whatever I want. That was never the case because Shane has always worked for everything he got, uh, regardless of what people may believe. Uh, Shane was has always been a hard worker and he's always been a great person. So I don't I don't think there would be anybody who. I could be wrong, but in my opinion, and from what I've heard, which I, which has been nothing about uh, Shane taking someone's spot away and then being envious or upset about it, um, Shane worked, I, I think, even harder uh, a lot of times to prove that he wasn't just getting an opportunity handed to him. He was, he was earning everything he got, and uh, he worked hard in the ring. Um, and didn't didn't give up. There was a particular time I do remember when uh, we were there with the Mean Street Posse, Rodney and uh, Pete, and Shane came in and was just having a bad day at practice. Just nothing was hitting, nothing was working, nothing was uh, uh, clicking in the ring. And uh, I, I don't remember the particular move that he that he did that it just. Uh, sealed it for him that day he left he was he was uh, outside and you could tell he was upset uh, not pouting or anything but you used to tell he was disappointed let me say that and uh he got his stuff left i think he stayed away for two days and then came back and sometimes you just get in that funk you get in that that mood and uh you know, the 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 main street posse uh got in the ring and uh, we're practicing, 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 and um, they were hitting everything. I, I think on this day especially, they were hitting everything, and Shane just got frustrated and had to leave. So, But he came back, and I never saw that happen again. So the only one time that I can really say I, I could say Shane got frustrated and uh, 
had to take a break was then and, and then he came right back and uh got back in the groove. So he, he did. He worked hard and uh earned everything he got. So were you training him for his debut or just training him because he wanted to get out there and wrestle? I know obviously Dimitri Posse were going to get in there and wrestle as well, but it was a specific match or a specific program he was about to do? Yeah, and I don't remember who he debuted against. Who who, who did he debut against? I believe the first match he technically had was against uh, Mick Foley, but his real first big match was against X-Pac. Okay. Yeah, well then... That's that's what we were training for. And X Pac and Mick were obviously on the road, and uh, but Shane came in uh, into the studio when he was home and uh, working. So yeah, that's that's what we were training for. He didn't just, in other words, he didn't just come over and go say, "I want to, I want to learn this." He came over to, uh, to get ready for his match. But we also did drills, as I said, uh, ten arm drags in a row, uh, ten body slams in a row. Uh, ten headlock takeovers in a row. Uh, you you kick out of each one. You come up. You do it. So you're doing thirty moves, uh, and then I would do the same thing back to him. And that was our conditioning, um, along with some running the ropes and things like that. So he he we we also did go over the matches. We we had matches. I worked with him, and uh, he was always intense. But listened, took his time, and as I said, very respectful. So even though he did have prior training somewhat, definitely still going over the fundamentals and still going over the basics and making sure he's got everything down pat? Yes, the basics and fundamentals never go out of style, and that's a great way to warm up and a great way to uh, keep yourself sharp. And Shane had no problem doing that. Uh, and then we would work on things like the coast to coast. And I got to work on things like holding the trash can. So he would smash me in the face with the trash can. But, um, <laughs> he was, he was always a professional, always knew that he was going to do it, uh, at the right time in the match. And he knew that people wanted spectacular moves and they do. So you have to. Uh, set the table first, and then you can jump. go to the top uh, turnbuckle and jump off onto the table. Uh, you can't do that within the first two minutes of the match. I mean, you can, but uh, wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. So Shane understood uh, that we were going to lock up and we were going to do some uh, pulling around, takeovers, and wrestling first before he uh, wanted to do his high spots. And I guess technically he'd be getting ready for WrestleMania 15. It was his match for the European Championship against Xbox. That's probably what he was really kind of gearing up for. I know he had some little matches beforehand on Raw and stuff, but I guess that, I think that was the big thing, gearing up. He's going to have like a 10 or 12-minute match against Xbox, and it's kind of a featured match on the, on the show for WrestleMania 15. Yeah, and, and again, cardio shape is completely different than ring shape, and, and that's what he was after. Uh, getting in ring shape and uh, just so he wouldn't blow up, I'm sure, with X-Pac or anybody else he got in the ring with. Because he was training with us um, for most of the time that he was active back then. He, when when he was off the road, he would come over to the studio or, we'd, or we would get in the ring after work hours, too. Uh, so, you know, the same thing applied. Whenever Shane wanted to work out, we were going to work out. We were going to get in the ring. 
Were you surprised when you see him and then you kind of have Vince the total opposite as far as one is super athletic and the other one not so much? I, I don't know that I was surprised because uh, Shane always gave off this vibe that he had uh, a little more skill, I guess, even when he was doing the bumps, even when he was rolling, even when he did back bumps. Uh, just in the way he moved and his body language, he, he, when he walked in the ring, when he locked up, um, it it was it wasn't surprising. Uh, it, it it felt pretty natural. He felt like it felt like he he had that uh, natural ability. It is interesting just to me, like watching him, how athletic he is. And then Vince, I always thought that was funny. It's like, wow, I guess Linda must have been a pretty good athlete in her day or something because obviously, you know, he's not getting her. Yeah, it's funny you say that because a lot of people say Shane takes after his mom's personality more so than than his dad, you know. So, so yeah, maybe maybe that has something to do with it. But the one thing I, I really don't believe anyone can fake or um manipulate is passion and Shane had passion and uh he still does to this day and he's he's a straight up guy and uh so anytime he got in the ring you knew that uh it was it was going to be a, it was going to be a uh it, it was going to be a great workout and we were going to try something new something that uh, either he came up with or I came up with to uh, to put in the match. And right now, I know it was the coast-to-coast, the uh, elbow from the top rope, from the uh, top turnbuckle. I remember, was it Big Show or who did he take the bump off the uh, uh, the stage with? I believe he did it with Big Show, and I think he did it with Kane. I think he did it on two separate occasions. Okay, because we we went as high as we could in the studio with that, too, and it's like, oh, my gosh. I just hope everything comes out okay, and it did. But he really, those those were his ideas, and that was where he was at. He wanted to make sure that uh, he went out there and and gave everyone who came uh, more than what they paid for. Any pressure in training him and when he's kind of going, doing crazy stuff, like any pressure from Vince, like, oh, make sure my son doesn't get hurt or anything like that? Not at all. Not at all. I think Vince was confident that Shane was confident. And, uh, you know, you take Vince and Shane, uh, they're both fearless and they both uh, were going to do all these things because they knew they couldn't just go out and grab a headlock. They couldn't just go out and, and do a wrestling match. That's not what the people wanted to see. It's not what anyone wanted to see. They wanted to see Vince get beat. They didn't want to see Vince take some punishment. They wanted to see what Shane could do. And uh, even though he might have started out as a heel because he was Vince's son, he earned the respect of not only the fans of the universe, but he, he earned respect from uh, the boys. Because they saw his work ethic, and they knew he had been putting in time when he was off the road. 
they knew when he came to TV he was ready and, and had ideas and uh, uh, wasn't afraid to try something new. So that was uh, that was encouraging, I think, for everybody. He was just, like you said, he's practicing crazy stuff. He always kind of was just totally fearless and totally a daredevil. It's just one of those things where it's like, Yes, you could say, oh, i got to do big moves and stuff. But, man, he, like, took it to the extreme as far as, like, he just shocked the audience. Like, whoa, you know, he this guy's willing to do whatever it takes. Well, yeah, yeah I think uh, what shocked the audience was he didn't have to do it, but he went out and did it. And I believe it was that way with a lot of kids growing up. You're looking at this stuff. And you're seeing these larger-than-life characters, and at that time you had Undertaker, Kane, um, Triple H, Austin, uh, I believe Rock, yes, and uh, a few other guys who were Mick, Mick Foley, larger-than-life. And they were the, the fans would see Shane go out and put his body on the line, and uh, work just as hard as anybody else, um, not just to get himself over, but, but to get the match over. And I think everyone appreciated that from the fans all the way to uh, the boys. So would when, I know you said when Vince was training, Shane would pop in. So when Shane was originally training, would Vince pop in? Yeah, Vince popped in, I think, twice. Vince, uh, and that would be... Uh, if he was, if he had business at the studio, or if he just wanted to come over that way on his way home, uh, and that happened twice, I, I think, from what I, re- I can recall, because that was the time we went over the, um, we went over it a couple times, but but one time we went over the coast to coast, and I held the uh, trash can, uh, and Vince saw that. We did it twice, and uh, he said, "Looks good, guys," and left. So. Uh, yeah, he would stop in. Um, but overall, I think uh, Vince pretty much had faith in Shane and, and wasn't concerned. Of course, he was concerned if he got hurt, but he wasn't concerned that uh, uh, he didn't know what he was doing because we all had that, that faith that Shane had uh, this instinct, and he was an athlete. And he was going to do everything in his power to – keep his opponent safe, whoever it was, and himself safe. As far as Shane and kind of his training and like typical training and things, you said he kind of knew a little bit, but kind of take us through like his availability and, and that kind of stuff. I know you were saying with Vince, Vince is available sometimes. And then, you know, maybe he tells you 10 and it's 11, but what was like kind of the thing with Shane? How was, how would the typical day run with him? Shane usually got off about uh, six, and I would meet him over at the studio or if we were at tracks by 6.30. Sometimes he got there on time, and sometimes he got there a little after seven. But he wasn't as late as uh, Vince was. Uh, I I believe Shane really wanted to go home to to his wife and and children um, and have that life as well in the office. But... uh, he was he, he if it needed if we needed to be there any time extra, uh, we would stay. In fact, if if at the end of practice and we'd already done what we wanted to do, and both had soaking wet shirts from from working out, 
uh, he would come up with something else, and we stayed there another 40 minutes. So it, it wasn't really uh, that late with Shane because he, he was obviously, I believe, doing uh, media on the second floor or whatever, or dot-com back then. And his day usually ended, ended about 6, and uh, by six thirty seven o'clock, we would be in the ring. So it was still long days, but uh, it was typical long days up there. As far as who he's training with, you mentioned the Mean Street Posse. Is there any other anybody else besides you in the Mean Street Posse and Shane? Not at that time. Uh, I, I don't. I believe most most of the guys who he was working with were on the road, and I don't recall anybody really coming in and going over a match while we were uh, uh, at the studio or anything. And I don't necessarily recall anyone coming in and doing some extra training with Shane while we were there. Um, there were some guys that uh, we used uh, around the area uh, at times if we needed extras, but um, that was that was a little later on when other people were coming to train. Like uh, uh, time Bradshaw uh, was training for his match with Eddie, and uh, we brought in Ken Doan, a young Ken Doan, to train with Bradshaw. Uh, on a day just to get him a little sharp before his uh, match with Eddie for the title. So that that would happen on occasion with, with different guys. And, and I don't really recall right now if we did that specifically for Shane. Was anybody against him or, or anybody reluctant or anybody kind of not want him to be wrestling? Like maybe not maybe his mother or father, but was anybody in the business like, like hey, I don't know about this? No, I, not not that I ever heard, not that I ever uh, saw or felt any animosity or any of uh, any of that suggestions, any, any suggestions going around saying Shane doesn't need to be in there, Shane shouldn't be wrestling. Once again, um, it was obvious how passionate he was about what he was doing. And he had a work ethic. It wasn't like he was wanting to get in there and not put in the work and just be a star. Uh, he, he was willing to put in the work, and he did, to go out and have great matches and to do what he did. And no matter who you are, to climb up a lighting rig or to climb up a cage and come off and land on a cardboard box or a table uh, from that height takes balls, takes takes a lot of gumption. And Shane had it. He was he wanted to do it. He was willing to try anything you suggested. If if it came up, um, he wouldn't dismiss it. If it was something you need to think about or talk about, we would think about it and talk about it. But whatever it was, he was willing to at least entertain the idea. And if it was a good idea, he'd try it. Would you ever say, like, okay, like, jumping off that high, Shane, you're definitely going to get hurt. Or, Shane, maybe you want to rethink this one or let's not yes. do this. Yes. As a matter of fact, yes. I, I never really... Uh, thought it was a great idea to be jumping that high, but that was the difference. He did, and he went ahead and um, just said, I appreciate that, but I'm going to go ahead and do this. Uh, so 
I did. I, I do remember thinking you're taking a lot of unnecessary risk. But that was, I think, the first week when we were going over things, and I was really just getting to know him. Uh, and then I got to know that, that he's that kind of personality that just um, he knows how to talk to people. He knows how to engage. And um, he also knows how to present an idea that sounds attractive. And uh, you have the confidence. I had the confidence in him when I say that. I had the confidence in him once I saw him stand up on the cage and once he came down on the crash pad. It was like, I get it. He, he's he's one of those guys. That's that's what he lives for. He's um, uh, a thrill seeker, if you will. Yeah, not too many people will, will go skydiving. Well, I will. I have. And Shane has. <laughs> so, you know, you jump off a cliff. I don't want to jump off a cliff, but I believe that's something Shane would want to try. So once you uh, once you see him in action, and once you uh, are, are around him and you feel his energy, and uh, watch him, then you know no matter what you say, uh, he appreciates the out the input, but he's going to do what he wants to do because he believes he can. So that was his attitude the whole time and it still is he seems like a very nice positive guy he doesn't really seem like a, a troublemaker or a politician but was there any pol- like politicking or anything going on as far as him at that point no no nothing that i found out nothing that i knew of no it wasn't it was nothing like that the the vibe around shane at that time uh again everyone liked him and uh, knew he was deserving because he wasn't just saying, hey, I want this spot, and I'm going to just do it the day of the show. Uh, no, he worked. He came to the ring, put put the work in, and uh, when it was time to produce, he produced. So I don't think anybody begrudged Shane for anything uh, he got during that, that time because he uh, – he earned it and he deserved it. With, with Shane, Shane and Vince, Vince you say, you say well, you, well, know, you know, but, but is Shane, Shane harder, harder to train? Or easier to train than Vince, Vince, Vince? Or, or, or is Vince, Vince easier or harder, harder to train? Uh, I don't know if you, I can say if it was easier or harder with either one of them. Both of them um, had their own personality and own style. Events can be very engaging too. Events can be a personable guy as well. Events uh, was just uh, not as athletic or I, I dare to say coordinated as Shane. Did it make it easier to do uh, train Shane? Uh, possibly. Was it more enjoyable? In a way, yes. But at the same time, uh, working with Vents was cool because you knew it was Vince and, and and how many people get to actually lock up with Vince. So that's the way I felt. And same thing with Shane. How many people actually got to lock up with Shane, have a match with Shane? Um, Maybe not on TV, but I did it a few times in the studio. So I thought I looked at it that way and it was, it was challenging. Shane was a guy that you could uh, uh, 
lock up, you wouldn't have to say anything. He could read the moves. He could read what your body language. If I grabbed him in a headlock, uh, I didn't have to say, shoot me off, tackle, drop down, hip toss, pick off. Uh, if he grabbed me in a headlock, I'd shoot him off, and he would read my body language. Was I dropping down? Was I coming in for a tackle? He just read it and, and went with it. And was I going to lead with a hip toss? Those, those are things that, that not a lot of people think about. But as you go along in the business, if you, you stick around long enough, it, it's something that you can do, or I'm sorry, something guys used to be able to do that was the art form of the business. Uh, you didn't have to call everything. Sometimes you went to a place where you couldn't speak the language, and then you had to get by by move, movement and body language, and uh, that's the art form. And Shane picked it up pretty good. That was the fun part about it, too, with him. we just have a match. I could uh, grab a hold. He knew to reverse. Uh, I knew to go with it. He knew to go with it, and... Um, the tricky part is when you shoot somebody off, and it's up to them to to read and follow and relax and not get hurt. It is so interesting that you said that about kind of the body movement, body language, and calling in the ring, but not necessarily calling it, knowing kind of what the guy is going to be doing, having that natural instinct. That's completely gone from wrestling now, it, it seems like. Yeah, you know, it, it it's... I don't know if it's completely gone. There's still a couple that can do it. You know, I, I don't have any doubt that a guy like Daniel Bryan can go out and not say a word with a with an opponent like AJ Styles. Uh, those kind of guys. I, I I think it's very scarce today uh, because everybody has to call everything in the back. Even though Shane's and, and Vince's matches would be pay-per-views and pretty much you you knew what you were doing all the way through due to time uh you still have to have the instincts and you still have to have that that knowledge of what to do in case something happens and uh you have to improvise and that's that's a lost art form today i don't know how many guys these days know how to improvise um i really don't but yeah, that's that's an art form that uh, is sure fading away fast. And Shane was such a natural that he really understood that, I guess, from being in and around the business so much. Yeah, and you have to have a love for it. Uh, you you have to enjoy it. Um, uh, gosh, you, I don't know if it, if it would be a lot of fun for somebody who doesn't really know what this is to go in there and not, not be told what to do. Uh, just have have somebody shoot you off or or take you over and expect you to know what to do. But Shane had been watching long enough, and Shane had been uh, around it long enough where he had a pretty good idea what what was going on. And what about the Mean Street Posse? Because like those guys didn't have much experience. Shane been in and around the business, things like that. The Mean Street Posse, I mean, uh, Pete Cash was a good football player in college and stuff like that, but you know, he didn't have wrestling experience. So what was it like with those guys? Well, they had been friends with Shane all through high school, and, and, and they had hung out together. So they, they knew about wrestling and uh, would come over to Shane's house and pull ribs on vents like they would uh, steal the uh, – uh, 
nah, not steal. Let me say borrow. So many years, I don't know if the statute of limitations counts or not, but but borrow the road signs or the uh, the yellow blinking signs for construction and, uh, and put them in Vince's room or you know just just stuff <laughs> like that. That it was that was the Main Street Posse and Shane. So they they were they were typical teenagers and uh, uh, who'd been watching wrestling for a while. So when they got there, while they may not have been as natural, they were every bit as passionate. Um, and again, they played football, Rodney and Pete both. And when you're an athlete like that, sometimes doing this professional wrestling isn't so natural because it goes against everything that you're you're taught as an athlete or or uh, taught to do. You're you're taught to go strong. You're taught to be intense. You're taught to uh, uh, you know knock the guy on his butt. And that's not necessarily what this is. So to get them to relax was a little challenging at first, but they got it. Eventually they did get it, and they became um, thought of fondly, I think, in the back as well because they put forth the effort and they worked their butts off too. So uh, it might not have been as natural for them, but they were every bit as passionate. Do you help out with the creative at all? Like, say, hey, you know, you guys should do this. I know you're doing the training and stuff, but do you ever say, like, hey, you know, you guys should add, you know, this to the repertoire, but also add this, you know, catchphrase or add this gimmick or, you know, help with other aspects, not just the physical training part? No, that, at that time especially, it was pretty much just the physical part because you had Russo back then. You had some pretty creative writers back then, and that was pretty much that their department. Um, I was happy to stay in my department. I was happy to do what I was doing. Uh, the creative team, I, I've been on that writing team before years and years ago, and that is a whole different animal. For all the people who talk about the writers and creative and how horrible they are, uh, step in their shoes for not even three hours. Just try it for one one hour. Just just Just... Go to one of those meetings and walk out and tell me what you think. It's a tough gig, and I think it's tougher than ever now. With you got three hours on Monday, two on uh, Friday, and two in the on well, was it two or three on Wednesday now? Two, two. But yep. but you but then this the syndicated shows and everything else they got going on. Uh, and back then it wasn't as crazy with writers then, but um, it was just as intense and important. And uh, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes because I knew I couldn't come up with anything better than they did. And nowadays when I read some of the stuff, knocking creative and knocking uh, the writers and knocking a company for whatever reason, I always, (laughs) whenever I get in this discussion with a good friend of mine here, I, I always ask him for a solution. What's the solution. Let's not just bitch about it. Let's let's help solve it. And if you don't have anything better, um, what's the good in bitching? What does that do? What's the upside? You're going to whine about it. How about fixing it, if you have anything to say about it? Or have a better idea, or at least a different idea. But you don't know what it's like until... You're there, and until you're in that creative meeting, until you you felt it firsthand. So it's tough. 
It really is. And then you got guys like, let's just say Shane, for instance, always over with the crowd. So you kind of want him in these key spots. But you do get fans that will complain like, oh, he shouldn't be in that spot or, oh, he, he shouldn't be main eventing or, or, oh, wow, he gets to wrestle with Kurt Angle and have this big feud with Kurt Angle and you know, he, he gets the crazy match, he goes through glass. Like, oh, why does he get that spot? But the crowd is really into him. It's, it's that kind of like a – a double-edged sword, or, or like it's like, wow, but the guy's super over, and he and he's working hard, so he does deserve that spot. So the the fans kind of uh, out of their element a bit. Well, once again, um, everybody, or not everybody's going to bitch about everything, but but a lot of people want to just bitch and want to say this is the reason that guy's getting pushed, or this is the reason that guy's not getting a push. Um. Once again, until you have actually sit, sat in on the meetings or know the particulars or know what's going on and know how uh, this scenario even came up with Shane wrestling or Shane being in those spots, you really don't know. You can you can suspect all you want, and you can uh, make allegations all you want. But I know, and the people who matter know how much work Shane put in and continues to work hard. To this day, he does uh, MMA. He goes in the gym and um, I don't know if he's doing any jiu-jitsu or anything like that, but I know he was doing some MMA training, not for any MMA fight or anything like that. He just enjoys training. He enjoys rolling around on the mat. Uh, Another guy that he worked out with was Ken Shamrock. And uh, I like Ken Shamrock. Uh, Ken um, is one of those straight-ahead guys, too, who uh, doesn't mind the fight and doesn't mind showing you and working out with you. And then Shane would want to come in. There are times when he would want to come in and just do the mat wrestling in the ring. And I hate that because I'm no good at it. And Shane was always... uh, uh, getting in there and working hard, going hard. And he'd want to do that for sometimes 30 and 45 minutes before then we get bouncing around in, in the wrestling ring. So, um, you know, earning earning respect from guys like Shamrock, earning respect from guys like Billy Gunn, Test, and a lot of guys uh, just around there who had reputations of working their ass off and earning their spots uh, really helped. And I think it uh, it helped his reputation as well because he wasn't just a a rich kid uh, taking somebody's spot because daddy said he could. He went in there and he busted his ass and got it. What did Shamrock kind of think of him? Which is interesting. He, you know, he's kind of seeking him out to train. Shamrock liked him as well. I believe so. I never actually had a discussion with Ken about it, but uh, I remember Shane talking about working out with Ken and uh but I, I don't think Ken would have done it if he didn't like him um I don't think he would have continued if he didn't like him let me say that because he might have started because he is Shane uh, but at the same time Shane was was very good at earning respect he did that well and so many people it's funny with Shamrock they think he's an MMA guy he actually is a pro wrestling guy who went into MMA so I, I love that he, you know, he's one of the guys you could say like, "Hey, pro wrestlers, legit badass, tough guys that could do some damage out there, and you know, in the real world." Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I always liked Ken. I always liked his demeanor. I liked his attitude. 
uh, <laughs> he was um, he was entertaining to me as well, but I knew that I didn't want to get on his bad side. I wouldn't cross the line for Shamrock. I wouldn't cross the line for uh, anybody, but Shamrock especially. With Shane, what was your personal relationship like? I know you said with Vince you kind of kept it friendly at points, but you know you had your distance. You weren't going over the pool and, and swimming with him and things of like that. But what right. was it like with Shane? What was the relationship like with him? A, a lot closer than that. Uh, Shane was, uh, uh, again, very amicable and uh, personable. What came to my uh, Bruce through a 50, uh, 50th uh, birthday party for me over his house. Uh, Shane was there. Uh, I'll back on a few of the office people, but Shane was always maintained a relationship that was a lot more closer and personal. personal. Um, and uh, so to this day, I still talk to him on occasion. Uh, and that's that's pretty cool too because I, I, I always liked Shane and he was always one of those guys that uh, uh, was down to earth. And if, if you wanted to have a conversation, it was going to be a uh, a conversation that that was sincere, and uh, you knew that Shane was the real deal, in and out of the ring. Uh, what he did in the ring, he meant it, and he was passionate about it. I think he was a lot more athletic than Vince, and Vince will probably say the same thing. In fact, I know he will. Uh, and outside the ring, uh, Shane could relate to people, no matter what, where they were, who they were. He was just, he was a pleasure to do business with. He was a pleasure to talk to. Do you watch current, like, not as far as current wrestling and stuff, but have you seen some of his current stuff, like the Undertaker Hell in a Cell match, the WrestleMania match with the Miz? Have you seen that stuff? I have. I have. What are your thoughts? Um, my thoughts are Shane is still as uh, passionate as ever about the business. I think he, uh, a part of the reason he did it, I believe, uh, was for his kids because his kids are now at the age where, uh, they're going to remember this and they're going to get to see this and get, get to be a part of it. So I, I was very impressed because, he he hasn't lost any of the passion or, or desire to do this. And uh, that's a hard thing to keep up, number one, but I think it's a hard thing to be away from for so long and then come back into and get right back into the level that you were at before. What I mean by that is by jumping off a cage or coming onto a, uh, onto a table um, you know, taking the stairs, just bumps, bumps in themselves hurt. But when you're coming up from a 20-foot cage or coming off a 20-foot cage, they, they hurt even more so. Uh, so I was very impressed, I'm, and I was glad to see him in there. I was glad to see him part of the uh, mix again. He he deserves to be in, in the mix. Um, and that's all I'll say about that. And if you look, he is in just – awesome shape it's funny that he wears like the jersey and stuff because he probably should come out shirtless just because he's in such great shape he should probably want to show it off he just turned 50 but he looks like the body of a 30 year old so you would want to almost say hey i'm going to show this off a little bit i'm in great shape 
Yeah, but again, I don't know how many people really want to see a 50-year-old guy with a shirt off, even though he's in great shape. I mean, Vince has always worn a tank top. Vince is shredded. Vince, Vince mm-hmm. has always looked great. Shane's look always looked pretty much in shape, too, and I agree with you 100%. Uh, he is in shape. Vince and, well, Shane's in shape, certainly. Um, but I, I don't know why. I don't know why. I just uh, I know that I remember seeing the old-timers when they – got to their 50s and 60s and taking their shirts off and you're going, maybe that's not a great idea. <laughs> so It is great that he is still like so dedicated that, you know, he's in great shape. Uh, he's a lot bigger than some of the other guys that are out there, so it's pretty impressive. Yeah, but but again, I think that goes back to his constant working out, his constant uh, uh, quest to get better. And I think if you feel better physically, you're going to do better mentally and everywhere else in life too. So uh, I I think the entire McMahon family subscribes to that. So it's ingrained in him and uh, he didn't have to, I don't think he had to do a whole lot to get back in fantastic ring shape. I'm sure he trained and I'm sure he did it, uh, but I'm sure it was kind of that muscle memory thing that once he got there, he, it didn't take him long. Do you think that Kurt Angle spot where he goes through the glass, the King of the Ring 2001, do you think that was like maybe pushing it just a bit? Obviously, some of the other stuff, falling off the lighting rig and, and getting choke slammed through like cha- uh, tables and then falling off the Hell in a Cell is one thing, but going through the glass is pretty dangerous. Well, once again, it, yeah, it is dangerous, but Shane liked doing the dangerous things, and uh, that was a spectacular move. It was a spectacular bump. And Shane wanted to be uh, spectacular and be remembered for, for doing those things. And that's the place to do it. Um, if it was just a house show or a regular TV, yeah, obviously, that I don't know if that would happen. But uh, doing it on pay-per-view where people are going to talk about it and know about it, yeah, that's, that's the place to do it. So uh, you have your daredevils and uh, people who can do that and want to do that, and Shane falls in that category. Did Vince or anybody else ever nix anything like that? He almost went over the line and was like, okay, you're definitely not doing that. No. No, I don't recall Vince uh, saying no to anything. I, I think it was one of those things, and I'm not, not for sure, but this is my speculation that Vince uh, would, would either say to Shane or think, if you believe you can do it, by God, I believe you can do it and go out there and do it. Uh, it it's it's that attitude that uh, carried over from started at the top and it carried over uh, all the way down. So that's that's kind of what I saw. I don't think Shane or I mean I don't, I don't think Vince ever nixed or was was wanting to nix anything. He might have been concerned and he might have talked to Shane about it, but in the end, it was Shane's decision. He is definitely a just memorable guy just as far as, let's just say, his charisma, the shuffle, just the way he carried himself. He was great on TV. He was great heel. He was a great face. Probably took, maybe outside of the rock, the best Stone Cold Stunner ever. And uh, I remember being at a house show once, and he literally took, I think it was 20 or 25 stunners. He just came back in the ring, took another one. He's just, like, crazy but great with the crowd, just knew 
what the crowd wanted and the psychology. He was kind of a just an underrated guy as far as just really, really being in tune with the crowd and just being a great athlete. But back then, you you have to realize he was having fun. It was such a fun time back then. And with guys like Austin and with guys like Rock and uh, Hunter and Sean and, and everything that was going on, um, it was I, – I, I truly believe, and, and obviously it was true, otherwise he wouldn't do it. Uh, he was out there having a blast and uh, enjoying the booze, enjoying the people <laughs> hating him. I mean, really, that's that's one of the greatest feelings in the world, going out there and having people – react to what you're doing and he was he fell right into it young good looking kid um that was athletic talented and didn't mind going out there and putting on a show what would you grade him let's say just just work rate wise like wrestling wise what would you grade him <sighs> Ooh, uh see if i say 10 you're gonna say i right. Nah, can't be a ten. But I, I think work wise, he was he was in the eight, seven and eight, and the only reason I, I would wouldn't say anything like that because there were times when he might rush, and there were times when he might uh, uh, get a little excited. But but that everybody does, no matter who you are, when you first start or you're, you're still in that stage, uh, we all rush, and he was guilty of it just like everybody else. But he but he would calm down too. So I, I would definitely give him a high eight. Uh, about, on, a score, on a score from one to ten, let's let's clarify that. How about the intangibles, charisma, character? Oh, for Christ's sake, that's definitely a ten. I've seen him talk to people. I've seen him uh, be gracious with people, take his time, and because he understood when they met Shane, Shane McMahon, uh, they 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 were they couldn't help but walk away impressed because he he was genuine. And he's one of those people, when he speaks to you, who makes you feel like you were the only person that matters at that day or at that time uh, in the world. You know what I mean? He's one of those people mm-hmm. that can uh, make you feel like he is paying attention to you, and he is, and he's engaged in the conversation. Uh, and, and I've seen other people who, who, who don't. So Shane, Shane was talented in that respect, too. What about overall? What would you give him at a 10? Overall is work rate, charisma, personal. Yep, Yep. everything. (laughs) I'm going to give the guy a 10, and I'll tell you why. Um, He didn't have to be a nice guy. He really didn't have to. I've known plenty of guys in this business who who aren't nice guys. Uh, But in his station in life, his position in the company, um, he could have very well have been a spoiled, rotten teenager and a spoiled, rotten brat. But he wasn't. Um, I think that's a lot to do with the way he was raised. And uh, I think it's a lot to do with the way he perceived the business. And he knew there was a lot more to it um, than he realized growing up. And once he got to the point where he could start refereeing, getting in the ring, I found out that while it is fun, it's still a business. And he, and he, the famous story is he went to Vince and asked for a raise, and Vince said no, and Shane quit. 
and proved he could do anything he put his mind to. Uh, it didn't have to be in wrestling, but he loved wrestling. He loved the business, but at the same time, he quit for his principles. He believed in what he believed in, and uh, Vince didn't want to give him a raise, so he quit, and he earned Vince respect because he eventually did come back. It's a family business, but he he didn't. He felt he should be uh, given a raise. Boom. Uh, wasn't being an asshole about it, but what's what's right is right in his mind. And eventually, it was worked out. He came back, and I just I admire his character, admire his uh, conviction, and what he believes in. So, overall, as a person, by God, for me, he gets a ten. Was that the reason he left, or did he really want to kind of pursue other things as well? Or that that was the main reason. He... Oh, oh well, no. This was when he was a kid when he asked for the race. Oh, this was, okay. this was when he was refereeing. No, no, you know, this is far beyond or far before he he was uh, an executive. No, I. <laughs> you would have to ask him the reason he left. Uh, so, but but Shane believes strongly uh, in his convictions. He believes. Um, I, I I don't think he would stick around if he didn't think it was the right thing to do. And obviously he didn't at one time, but uh, you know there were there were many times when oh gosh during the Attitude Era I guess um, things would get very very hectic and you have to ask yourself why are you going on the road and why are you putting yourself through this? Well. You know, the only answer is because this is what I want to do, and this is where I feel I'm going to be the best at. And, uh, you know, he did. What do you think the relationship was like with Shane and Vince? Uh, I think it was probably like any relationship with an alpha male and another alpha male uh, right behind you. Um, I, I think... Growing up with Vince would be difficult just for the fact that everybody at school knew who you were, knew who your parents were, and you had to listen to so much crap on a daily basis. But I think that molded Shane into who he is, and I also think Vince was a pretty uh, – I think Vince was a pretty good dad. From all I've heard, from all the accounts I've heard with both – uh, in regards to Shane and, and Stephanie, that Vince was uh, a pretty good dad. He could be stern, he could be hard, but he could be loving. And it's one of those things that, um, again, I'm not speaking that, that uh, telling stories that I was I was there for, but these are stories that have been told before. Uh, where Shane, you know, Vince had a habit of pushing people in the pool when they would come over for booking meetings or whatever, just whatever. Vince's deal was trying to get him in the pool. Well, one day Shane got Vince in the pool, and he took off running, and he wasn't going to come home. And, (laughs) you know, Vince is working the program the whole time, like, boy, he's hot and all this stuff. But but that was was the lifestyle. That was, you know, who your your dad was, was Vince McMahon. And, uh... I think anyone would look at look at that as uh, some pretty big shoes to fill, but I'm, I'm 
almost certain Shane was more than willing and ready uh, to wear his own shoes and make his own way, no matter what it was. And kind of being a big character like that and making your debut during the Attitude Era, that's kind of, you know, like the Shark Tank, uh, the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars, that is a hard time to come up and make a name for yourself. Well, it, it was a hard time, and uh, at, the, at the same time, you had the guys during that time were were, were still part of what wrestling let me see how to say this because I don't want to be misquoted and then some asshole in the comment section says, you said what? Because I don't even know what I said. <laughs> but it, it doesn't matter. But but I, I want to say it like this because you had a guy like uh, Billy Gunn. You know, you had a guy like Triple H. And um, no matter what's said about Triple H, he's he's an old school guy. And I truly believe Triple H appreciates and respects old school because he knows it'll work. Um, you had Road Dog, uh, you had X Pac, you had Kane, you had Undertaker, you had some pretty heavy players. Um, I remember watching. Uh, I walked. We were walking out of the dressing room, and it was Shane and I were walking out of the dressing room, and Billy Gunn just happened to be coming around the corner, and uh, Billy started walking next to Shane. And they started walking faster and faster. And then it broke out into a full run down this long hallway of the dre- of the building. And because uh, they were always competing, always going back and forth and playing ribs on each other and just um, competing against one another. You know, I, I can run faster than you. I can I can hit more baskets than you. Uh I can th- I can throw a football better than you. Just just whatever it was, it was always competition. Shane never backed down. He never backed down. So uh, yeah, you had some sharks around there at that time, and you had some pretty uh, uh, heavy heavy duty athletes. So and Shane never never batted an eye, and uh, was ready to go, ready to compete. I think that's a great stopping point as far as the Shane McMahon talk. But I wanted to ask you something very recently happened with the JPWA. A graduate has been signed to the WWE, Emily. Hopefully I don't mispronounce the last name, but is it Anzulis? Is that Anzulis. Emily Anzulis, yes. yes. How Uh, how do you feel about that? That's pretty impressive. That's very impressive. That's that's great. We feel great about that. Emily uh, came to us last year uh, for the summer session, and uh, she got in the ring again. Talk about a tough chick. Talk about a tough girl. She didn't back down either. She has a little bit of uh, martial arts training in her, and... Uh, <laughs> she would compete against the guys in push-ups and beat them over at the gym when they're working out before they come over to uh, the ring. Uh, she she was very impressive and she caught on pretty quick too. Um, yeah, but that was that was very very uh, cool. That was a very cool thing. You know, she won the Rocks Titan Games, and uh, she's from Knoxville, so she came and. Uh, wanted to learn this, wanted to train with us, and uh, she got signed. And she's recently reported to Orlando, 
and uh, could not be happier for her. We were so proud and uh, happy for the fact that she chose to come and learn with us, and now she's with them. And for more information about the JPWA, the website is jpwrestlingacademy.com. Also, check them out on Pro Wrestling Tees. So that's prowrestlingtees.com slash jpwa. Also, a Patreon page has been set up for the Jacob Pritchard's Wrestling Academy where they can give you training tips, videos, and a lot of other good stuff. Dr. Tom, there's uh, a lot of impressive things going on. you got Seamus showing up. you got her getting signed with WWE. JPWA is the place to be. Well, we, yeah, we, we have been very fortunate uh, to have some of the guys come stop by. The, the most recent one uh, was Seamus, and he put us on his Celtic workout, filmed, and he went 41 minutes with man in the middle. Uh, prior to that, Mark Henry stopped by, Natty, um, Sasha, uh, Bailey, and uh, hopefully this next year, some of the other guys are going to stop by. Just uh, yeah, we have some really cool stuff coming up this year, and uh, some cool stuff coming up in the next couple weeks. And uh, looking forward to everything happening in 2020. Going to be a great time. Real quick, on uh, it's February 7th. Uh, we have a, a special show at KFW in Sevierville, Tennessee. For Tracy Smothers, uh, information is on our website at jpwrestlingacademy.com, also our Facebook page, but you can also go to KFW on Facebook, and it's the Tracy Smothers Benefit Show in uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. It's Tommy Henry. Uh, does a great show every two weeks. Ricky Morton's going to be at this show. I'm going to be there um Stars from all over the state, all over the country, actually coming just to help Tracy out. So February 7th, Sevierville, Tennessee. Uh, come out and see us if you're in town. And if you're not, make a special trip. Be worth it. And, of course, you can email us at TomPritchardPodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at TwoManPowerTrip. And you can follow Dr. Tom at Dr. Tom Pritchard. And one other thing before we go, just because – uh, Rob Naylor, who uh, I think a lot of people should know, and obviously a friend of yours, uh, an acquaintance of mine, going back a long time, he probably doesn't even remember going to all these wrestling shows, but he put up a great clip of you. It just just goes to show, if anybody wants to see some great wrestling action, you and Jushin Thunder Liger exchanging holds all the way back in 1989, going back at it. I mean, we're going back 30 years, and you and Liger were tearing it up. Awesome stuff. Yeah, Rob has always been great. I've I've always liked Rob. He he would come up with the most obscure uh, wrestling match or move, and that was really really cool to see. And I I, I love Rob Naylor. And on and on that note, if you don't mind, if I can just uh, leave it like this, I really hope, and I have a lot of hope, and I have a lot of uh, faith in the wrestling business. I would hope that uh, not just this next year, but in the next uh, coming months, that everybody would put all the animosity aside. I know you can't put 100% of the animosity aside because there's always going to be jealousy and envy wherever you go. But is if there's any way to uh, get back to working for what, you really got in the business for 
and I don't think anybody really got in this because uh, the initial thought was I'm going to make a lot of money, be rich, and buy a mansion and retire. When you get in this business, you get in it for the love of the business if you're going to be any good at it. And what I seem to come, what I have experienced lately or read about and heard about and talked with some people about is all the animosity going on throughout. I'm not happy with everything in the business. I'm not happy the way everything's going. But if we're going to bitch about it, um, what does that solve? So can, maybe if you're going to watch TV, and, and I've seen this on Twitter too, can we not just let it evolve? And why can't you just like what we like? Well, because I like what I like. You can like what you like. I can like what I like. But just because you like it doesn't mean I have to. But at the same time, I'd like to figure out what, what the appeal is. If if AEW is doing great numbers, and I don't know if they are, I hear I hear they're they're doing whatever they're doing on Wednesdays and they're beating NXT. Tremendous. If there's a niche for that and there's people who want to see that, great. Same thing for WWE. If there's people who want to watch and see it and, and don't like the wedding angle or don't like this angle or whatever it is, feel free to, to say what you want about it, but try not to be so nasty about it. I mean, I'm reading it and it really kind of makes me go, hmm, this is what what it's come down to in, in, in this day and age, 2020, we have all these great athletes, all these great opportunities, and everybody's uh, bitching because you like this and you don't like that. Like what you like and have a good time. Critique, critique it and do whatever you think. But, man, stop with all the nastiness. It kind of gets old after a while, for me anyway. And I just thought about that because uh, before we came on, I was looking up and down at some of the news stories on here, and I thought, wow, wow. I put a tweet up not too long ago, and I said, I really believe it was better back in the days of Rocky Johnson. And the reason is because the guys went out, and what we're really doing is simulated combat. We should have some instincts, but we should also be able to go out there and call it on the fly, have improv, no improv, and feel it and and give people a real wrestling match that they'll walk away going, Christ almighty, that it may be what it is, but it looked pretty damn good, and it was very impressive. Flip-flop and flies look impressive at times, but I have an analogy about two elephants, and I don't know if I can say it on here. Go for it. It, it involves adult language. But anyway, if you <laughs> if you walk into a store and there's two elephants outside fucking, and you walk in the store and say, holy shit, you see those two fucking elephants outside? Holy shit. Okay. If the next day you come in, to the, you go to the store and those two elephants are out there fucking, you go in the store and go, holy shit, those See, those elephants are still out there fucking. Holy shit, those, those elephants out there still fucking. And by the third day, if you go to the store and the elephants are still there, you go, oh, there's those fucking elephants. You know, it kind of loses its effect. You know, mm -hmm. you, yep. you do a moonsault the first match, or I have a Corona the second match, a toupee, and I know they're her Corona and toupee. I get it. But the point is, you do all this shit the first, second, third, and fourth match. It's like, holy shit, holy shit. Second match, holy shit, holy shit. Third match, holy shit, what's the concession stand? 
You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's yep. just my view. It, 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 I don't think you need to see the same thing all the time. And uh, I don't know if that's, I don't know. I don't know if that's evolution or not. But I do know that uh, the nastiness out there kind of infects and ingrains itself into the whole attitude a lot of times. And everybody's working for the same thing, I would hope. And that's to go out and put on a hell of a show, uh, have fun doing it, uh, progress as you do it, learn, listen, and uh, respect what you do. And I don't know that that's necessarily going on everywhere these days. At least not what I'm seeing. Not what, not what I'm reading when I look at the Internet. And that's, that could be just it, too. Maybe it need to be off the Internet, internet and off all the uh, gossip sites. Yeah, they can be uh, quite a pick sometimes. Yeah, and it's not really my place to call everybody to come come together and sing Kumbaya or whatever song we need to sing. But but Christ Almighty, in my opinion, attitude is the most important thing in this business. Attitude is the most important thing in life. And uh, it does no good to walk around with a bad attitude all day and just bitch and complain about something unless you have a better idea. And if you do, apply. Please, quickly. So that's it. That's it for me. Great advice, and of course, join us every week on Taking You to School with Dr. Tom Frigid. We'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.